Good morning, Maple Grove. Good morning, Maple Grove. Good morning. <laughs> uh, we read the following in Luke chapter 10, beginning at verse 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law? He replied, how do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, pass by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I'll reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Uh, would you pray with me? And I'm going to encourage you to Pray with your palms open this morning because God has a, has a word for us and we need to let them know we're ready to receive it, even though it may not be super fun. <laughs> uh, Father God, we love you and we humbly come into your presence. There is no one like you, God. No one compares to you. God, we know your word is truth. We know your way is right. And we know that we often stumble and fall. And God, I just pray that you would be with us in the next few moments as we look at your word, as we study what you have to teach us today about what it means to be a merciful people. Uh, God, open our hearts and minds. Keep all distractions from us, Lord, and help us to zero in on your word. Help me to speak in a way that brings you honor, that points people to your truth, that makes a difference in our lives, so that when we leave this place, we make a difference in this world that you so love. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, let me set the scene. It's 30 AD, and Jesus has been preaching, teaching, and healing people for about a year. And so there's a very large group of people <clears throat> following after Jesus. And as Matthew chapter 5 opens up, it's time for Jesus. <clears throat> okay, excuse me. <clears throat> it only happens on Sunday when I'm preaching. As Matthew 5 opens up, it's time for Jesus to give his platform speech, his manifesto. It's time for Jesus to tell everyone what he and his kingdom is all about. And listen, everyone's hoping that Jesus is going to tell them that he's here to overthrow the Romans, get them out of their country so that things can go back to the way they always were. But Jesus doesn't say any of that. Yet they're hoping that Jesus is going to say things like, it's time for us to be strong, to resist, to fight back. It's time for us to hold the line. But Jesus doesn't say any of that. And so Jesus says something that is so radical and countercultural 
that is still shocking to us even today in the 21st century. Matthew 5 verse 1 reads, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and he sat down. And that's what rabbis did. They sat down when they're about to drop some wisdom. His disciples came to him and he began to teach them. And he said, Blessed, and that's the Greek word makarios, it means joyful, fulfilled, satisfied, content, happy. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Uh, Blessed are those who realize that they are busted, broken, and bankrupt before God. Blessed are those who realize that good people do not go to heaven, but forgiven people do. Blessed are those who embrace their brokenness and ask God for help. Lord, please help me with. Blessed are those who mourn, those who mourn in their loss, those who mourn for this broken world, those who mourn over their own sin, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, blessed are those who keep their power and strength under control for the benefit of others and the glory of God, for they will inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness, who hunger and thirst to know God, to be like God, and to make this world a better place, for they will be satisfied. Maple Grove, what if Jesus was serious? Like, what if joy, fulfillment, satisfaction, and contentment are found not in pursuing happiness, you know, where we we try to make everything around us be just right, but instead it's found in pursuing a blessed life. It's found in being poor in spirit. It's found in mourning. It's found in hungering and thirsting. It's found in being meek. Yeah, what if he's serious? And what if you, what if you took him seriously and began to really go after this life? Brothers and sisters, it's April the 24th, 2022, and I declare to you, based on the authority of the Word of God and the faithfulness of the one true risen King, that the life you've always wanted, the life you're created to live, The kingdom life is within your reach. In fact, it's a life that through the Spirit, God has empowered everyone in his kingdom to actually live. Peter said it this way, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and his own goodness. And that's where we've been so far in our unpacking of Jesus' radical countercultural manifesto about kingdom life. If you miss any of these messages, I really encourage you to check it out. This morning, we're going to begin unpacking the second half of the Beatitudes. Blessed are the merciful, for they will receive mercy. <laughs> Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who allow their preacher to preach as long as he feels like, for they shall be blessed by the Lord. No, um, Blessed and merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Okay, well, what's mercy? Now, if I were to answer that question a few weeks back, before I spent an entire week studying and reflecting on that very question, I would have answered rather quickly and confidently, mercy is not getting what you deserve. That's been my go-to answer for a long time. You know, like, because of God's mercy, we do not get what we deserve in regards to our sin. As Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we all once lived in the passions of our flesh, carrying out the desires of the body and mind, and were by nature children of wrath, like the rest of mankind. 
But God, being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead and our trespasses made us alive together with Christ, by grace you've been saved. Listen, though, this idea that mercy is not getting what we deserve is true and really great news, awesome news, needed news. The biblical concept of mercy is much broader than that. And I think the story of the Good Samaritan that we read earlier is a perfect example of how mercy is much broader than forgiveness. You see, the guy who was beaten and wounded, lying half dead in the middle of the road, did not do anything to harm or wound the Samaritan. He did not need forgiveness. He needed mercy. And that's what the Samaritan gave him. By going to him, by binding up his wounds, taking him to a place where he could safely recover. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told them, go and do likewise. Someone say, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. Maple Grove, you and I will have countless opportunities to show mercy in situations where no wrong has been done to us and where there's nothing for us to forgive. Now, there's two words in Scripture that are translated as mercy or merciful. And and these words mean an outward manifestation of pity, to be actively compassionate, kindness and goodwill towards an individual joined with the desire to help them. Outward manifestation, actively compassionate, joined with a desire to help them. Basically, anything you do that is a benefit to someone else in need, that's mercy. And as one of my uh, all-time favorite bands in high school would say about mercy, they weren't talking about mercy, but the band Boston, their title cut from their first debut album, mercy is more than a feeling, right? More than a feeling. It starts with the feeling. I, I, I mean, the Samaritan felt pity for the guy, but this feeling moved him to action. Check out what one of the guys I read this week wrote about mercy. Mercy is not a weak sympathy which feels but never does anything to help. It's not the silent passive pity which could be genuine but never seems to be able to help in any tangible way. It's not any of those superficial things. It's a genuine compassion with a pure unselfish motive that reaches out to help somebody in need. That is mercy. In other words, Jesus is saying in his kingdom manifesto that the people in his kingdom are not takers, they're givers. They're not condemners, they're mercy givers. They're not the ones who sit above everybody else. They're the people who stoop down to help everybody else. The Puritan Thomas Merton defines mercy as a melting disposition whereby we lay to our hearts the miseries of others and are ready on all occasions to be instruments for their good. William Barclay defines it this way. I like this. The ability to get inside someone else's skin until we see things with their eyes, think things with their mind, feel things with their feelings, and then act on their behalf. Chuck Sonsall says, mercy is God's ministry to the miserable. And here's the definition of mercy I want to think about today and unpack. Mercy is a compassionate heart that cares and acts for the good and benefit of others. That cares and acts for the benefit of others. 
And yes, God not treating us as we deserve is most definitely mercy, right? It's God caring and acting on our behalf and our benefit, not treating us as our sins deserve. As we, like the Samaritan, laid half dead or fully dead on the side of the road, Jesus came and showed mercy on us. Now I want to unpack three statements this morning. Um, the first is, merciful is who God is. Now, there's this powerful scene in Exodus chapter 33, where Moses has been on the mountain for 40 days and 40 nights. He's gotten the Ten Commandments, and God is very pleased with Moses, and he asks Moses, hey, Moses, what do you want me to do for you? Hey, what do you want? Just ask. If God asked you that question, what would you say? Hey, what would you want me to do for you? And this is after the golden calf. If I was Moses, hey, could you give me some new people? <laughs> I don't, I'm not too fond of these I got. Do you remember what Moses asked for? He said, show me your glory. That's what I want. God, I want to see your glory. And God said, I will make all my goodness pass before you, and I'll proclaim before you my name, the Lord, and I'll be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. And then God tells Moses, hey, you can't see me directly or you'll die. I'm going to put you in the cleft of a rock, and I'm going to allow my glory to pass by. I'm going to cover you with my hand, and once I pass by, I'll remove my hand. And then we read, and then the Lord passed before him and proclaimed a fourfold description of himself that is repeated six other times in Scripture, Nehemiah, Jonah, Joel, and in the Psalms. He's passing by Moses. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. God is saying, this is who I am, and this is what I want my people to know about me, that I'm gracious, that I'm merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in love. Amen? Amen. Understand, mercy, caring and acting for our good and benefit is at the heart of what God tells us about himself. And the rest of Scripture picks up this theme telling us that not only is God merciful, but in Ephesians, that God is rich in mercy, telling us that his mercy never changes, which is why David could write, surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, Psalm 23, verse 6. And the prophet Jeremiah spoke about God's mercy in Lamentations chapter 3. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercy never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. Amen? In Titus 2, Paul says that it's because of God's mercy that we're saved. He saved us not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy. And when Paul describes himself being saved, he says, even though I was a blasphemer and a persecutor and a violent man, I was shown mercy. 1 Timothy 1 verse 3. And the book of Hebrews focuses on the mercy of Christ. He had to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. Hebrews 2.17. And brothers and sisters, when you know that you have a merciful high priest 
When you know, believe, and accept that the one who's standing before God for you and pleading God's, your case before God is merciful, you'll feel both the freedom and confidence, as Hebrews 4.16 says, let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in our time of need. See, God is a merciful high priest. He's standing before God right now on your behalf, and he's a merciful high priest. And when Jesus, God in the flesh, came into this world, he was the most merciful human being that ever lived. He reached out to the sick and healed them, to the crippled and gave them legs to walk, the blind eyes and opened them, the deaf ears and opened them. Jesus found the prostitutes and the sinners and the tax collectors, and he drew them into his circle of love. He picked up the sorrowful and he wept with them. He took the lonely and the outcasts, and let them know that they were loved and that they belonged. He reached out to the leper and cleansed them. Once a woman was caught in adultery and dragged before Jesus, and Jesus sees her, he feels compassion for her, he confronts her accusers, and probably with a hand on her shoulder says, where are your accusers? Has no one condemned you? No one, Lord. Then neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. When Peter denied, when Thomas doubted, Jesus was merciful. Once Jesus was eating with sinners and tax collectors, and the Pharisees saw this and said, why does your teacher eat with tax collectors and sinners? But when he heard it, he said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick do. Go and learn what this means. Now tell me that didn't tick those guys off. They had a PhD in religious studies. Hey, you all smart guys with your diplomas on the wall? Hey, you go and learn what this means. I desire mercy and not sacrifice. For I've come not to call the righteous but sinners. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. In other words, the act, our acts of worship, our sacrifice, means nothing to Jesus if we are not people of mercy. I mean, Jesus' parable, the Good Samaritan. I mean, the priest just came back from preaching his best sermon ever. The worship leader, you wouldn't believe how many people had their hands lifted in praising God. But guess what? It meant nothing to God. Because when they had a chance to show mercy, they walked to the other side of the road. From start to finish, the life of Jesus is one of mercy. Merciful is who God is. The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious slow to anger. Thank you, God. And abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgressions and sin. The next statement is this, mercy is severely lacking in our world. Would you agree with that statement? Now, my senior high school, a movie came out that kind of made people afraid to go in lakes and rivers. It was called Piranha. It's about a bunch of fun-loving teenagers, right? They're all about that, right? And who unknowingly release thousands of genetically altered piranha into nearby river and lakes, threaten the lives of the community and the brand new summer resort. And once someone falls in the water, all the piranhas attack them and it seems simple, stay out of the water, right? But people actually jump in the water. Now, I watched the trailer this week, and, and 
It's crazy how lame trailers were back then, right? It seems like it's a joke, like comedy, right? Here's some of the, it said, sharks come alone. Piranhas come by the thousands. They're here, they're hungry, and they're unstoppable. They're here, they're hungry, and they're unstoppable. And you know what? Unfortunately, that's a very vivid and accurate picture of our culture today. I mean, don't you just sense that everyone is on the lookout just waiting for someone to mess up so they can point it out, so they can capture it on video and post it on social media, so they can, what's that term that's used today? So that they can cancel people. You know, like you do something wrong, you say something wrong, you retweet something wrong, and you're canceled. You messed that up, canceled. You got the vaccine, canceled. You didn't get the vaccine, canceled. You support a different political party than me, canceled. You don't agree with me, canceled. You don't like someone that I like, canceled. You let me down, you disappoint me, you fail me, canceled. Or as I too often have thought or said, you are dead to me. You said or did something wrong as a teenager 30 years ago and someone finds about it today, canceled. You steal two Super Bowls for the New England Patriots, New York Giants, you're canceled. And you will stay canceled. Forever. I'll never forgive you, Eli. No doubt about it. Mercy is severely lacking in our world today. In fact, far too many in our world have adopted the Cobra Kai motto for their lives. Great movie. Cry to Kid. Original. Right? Strike first. Strike hard. No mercy. No mercy. Yet Jesus says, blessed are the merciful, not the piranhas, not the cancel culture, not the Cobra Kais, for they will be shown mercy. I mean, think about it. Jesus said, merciful people are happy people. And that people who lack mercy lack happiness. Listen, that's so true. I mean, when you look at images or you've seen images of people who are not showing mercy, they don't look very happy. They look angry. They look mean. They look hateful. Let me ask you, how merciful are you? Better yet, how merciful would other people, your spouse, your kids, your parents, your coworkers, your friends, people who disappoint you, the waiter at the restaurant who got your order wrong, how merciful would they say that you are? And believe me when I tell you that this truth about being merciful has been up in my grill all week long. In fact, I wrote, this is kind of my, my file board for doing my sermon. I actually wrote here, not liking where this is headed. <laughs> it's like, are you kidding me? I, I, I didn't like where it was headed and And since I've been dealing all week with mercy and feeling real bad at how much I lack in it, and since I'm such a giving person, today I'm getting up in your grill. <laughs> Metal in your mind and your heart. And before we unpack the all-important merciful is who we're called to be, I, I want to make something clear. Mercy does not mean that justice does not matter or that people should not be held accountable. Jesus did show the woman in John ate mercy, but he did tell her, go and sin no more. 
And throughout Scripture, we, we see that our God is a, is a God of justice. In fact, in Isaiah 61.8, God says this, For I, the Lord, love justice. I love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. And my faithfulness, I reward my people and make an everlasting covenant with them. Okay, so how do we know, right, when to do justice and when to show mercy? And I want to answer that by saying, get as close as possibly as you can to Jesus. Because I know of no fast and hard rule that lists every occasion when you should show mercy and when you should show justice. It's just not in the Bible. And it's not in there, not by an accident. Because the aim of Scripture is to produce a certain kind of person. Not provide an exhaustive list and rules for every situation. Does that make sense? God wants to make you a merciful person, and then you'll figure it out. Get close to Jesus, you'll figure it out. He'll help you. It says, blessed are the merciful, not those who do merciful things. I like with this dude, Brian Zan. If I pronounce your name wrong, I apologize. He has a great book called Beauty Will Save the World, Rediscovering the Lore and Mystery of Christianity. Here's what he writes. This is good. You need to tune in. Without a commitment to justice, mercy can collapse into cheap sentimentality that is nothing more than the saccharine advice to be nice. But the passion for justice must be tempered by a deep commitment to mercy. Or we end up justifying viciousness in the name of justice. Justice without mercy is cruel and is not like God. We live in the tension of longing for justice but always extended mercy. This cruel world needs more mercy. Amen? And where is this cruel world to find more mercy if not from followers of Jesus? Living in the tension of justice and mercy can at times place us in a difficult ethical dilemma. When should we press for justice and when should we plead for mercy? It may not always be easy to know. But when in doubt, go with mercy. Mercy should be our default mode. The Apostle James said it like this, judgment without mercy to anyone who's not shown mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Would be a good model for those wanting to model the beauty of Jesus in the ugly world of cold, hard justice. And then he says this, if our churches are to be anything like a shelter from the storm, we must become famous for our mercy. But is that our reputation? If people find themselves in need of mercy, is the first thought for, they go to is, I need to find a church. If not, then why not? Why were sinners attracted to Jesus and evidently felt quite comfortable around him? The answer is simple. In Jesus, they found mercy. If people really believe they can find mercy in our churches, they will come to us like wayfarers caught in a storm in the search of a safe haven. Amen. Mercy is lacking. Mercy who God is and mercy is who we're called to be. A few scriptures. Micah 6, 8. Great scripture. You're like, hey, God, God, what do you require of me? Hey, he answers it. Thank you, God. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Jesus said in Luke 6, 36, be merciful just as, someone say just as, just as your father is merciful. And again, the fifth attitude, beatitude, blessed and merciful. Not those who do 
acts of mercy, but those who are merciful. And there's a difference, right? Merciful is to be who we are. And then mercy just flows out of us. Okay, take a breath. I, I know we covered a lot of stuff, heavy stuff, important stuff, kingdom stuff, being light stuff, hope of the world stuff, change the world stuff. Mercy is a compassionate heart that cares and acts for the benefit and good of others. I want to spend the rest of our time, and there's not a whole lot of time left, getting very practical about how you, how we, how I can practice mercy and in turn become a more merciful person. See, mercy is like this diming, right? It's multifaceted, and probably, I think the the brightest facet is God not treating us as our sin deserves, but there's more facet than mercy than that. And we'll have opportunity every week to show mercy to at least eight different people so that we can become more merciful. Are you ready? You ready to do this? Show mercy to those who have a material need. Again, Mr. Merton, great example, right? He saw this man beaten, left for dead in the middle of the road. Listen, he didn't just feel compassion for him. He didn't just make a social media post about how important it is to help the needy. He'd even quote scriptures, you know, virtue singling, where you let everybody know how much you care, but you don't do anything really to help anybody out, right? He didn't do that. He actually came close, went out of his way, rearranged his schedule, took a risk, used some of his own stuff to help this guy out in a very practical way, Right? Not just, oh, I really care about poor people. No, he went out and he actually helped poor people. James says it like this. What good is it, my brothers and sisters, if someone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such a faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? Amen? John says this. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Wow. Like, how can we love God and we have the means to help somebody and we don't? What he's saying is the love of God is not in us. Because if the love of God is in me, I'm going to help when I can. I like what John Wesley says. This is so good. Do all the good you can. By all the means you can, and all the ways you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. Love it. Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, and all the ways you can, to all the people you can, as long as you can. Amen? Next, show mercy to those who mess up and need a second chance. Like Jesus did for Peter, for Thomas, for countless others, for the woman caught in adultery, letting them know they get a second chance. Letting them know that they're their fall does not have to end in failure. Listen, a hard heart makes a big deal of a person's failures, but a merciful heart comes alongside and lets them know that hey, it's not over yet. Let's know that your failure does not have to have the final word in your life. That you can always get back up, you can always rise. That the God we serve is the God of the do over, the God of the mulligan. Merciful people don't kick people when they're down. Said they help them to get back up again. Amen. Next, show mercy to those who are on the outside. You know, people that other people don't like to hang out with. And maybe people at work or school that everybody tells jokes behind their backs. 
People that are not popular, that are outcasts. I mean, they have their quirks. They may be a little odd, a little different, the way they dress, the way they look, the way they act. They may even do things that are kind of obnoxious. But like, how in the world can you be merciful with the obnoxious? Well, the best way is to understand a lot of people who are out of step are really in a lot of pain. So we need to stop focusing so much on their external behavior and look more closely at their internal hurt. Because usually behind every peculiar action, there's a need for attention caused by loneliness, hurt, or depression. Merciful people are accepting people. Accept one another in the Lord as Christ accepted you, Romans 15, 7. They're not quick to criticize and judge. And merciful people intentionally build friendships with people who don't have friends, with people who seem to be on the outside, and who are not accepted by other people. Next, show mercy to those who are struggling in their walk. Jude says, be merciful to those who doubt. See, Jude is reminding us that when a brother or sister in Christ is plagued with unanswered questions, when they're struggling in their walk with God, maybe even battling the lies of the evil one who's telling them that they're not worthy of God's love, they're no longer worthy of his acceptance, they're no longer worthy of his love and his grace. See, their greatest need is to have a have the mercy of a believing friend who will come alongside and strengthen them in their faith journey. Understand, people who have doubts are not helped by harsh, demanding, and merciless words. Come on, what's your problem? Read your Bible, pray more. I don't know why you're having these issues. I don't have these issues. That is not the way of Jesus. That is not the way of the kingdom. Scripture says of Jesus in Isaiah 42, 3, a bruised reed he will not break. A lot of bruised reeds out there. And a smoldering wick he will not snuff out. Isaiah 42, 3. Next, show mercy to those who fail and disappoint you. I'm not talking about people who hurt or sin against you. I'm just talking about people who let you down. Friends, family, coworkers, people who serve you at restaurants, stores, whatever. When they fail to deliver what you expected or ask them to do. Question, do people ever fail you or disappoint you and let you down? How do you respond? I found great comfort in this passage in Isaiah, excuse me, in Psalm 103. Beginning at verse 13, it says, As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And here's the verse. For he knows our frame and remembers that we are dust. He's like, hey, I know they're going to mess up. I know the frame. I know they're not perfect. And here's the deal. Be careful about setting unrealistic expectations on other people because they will let you down. They will fail you and they will disappoint you. And how we respond shows if we're a person of mercy. Friday, I had my, my, mercy, my mercy level challenged, so to speak. I went across the street to have some blood drawn for labs for a physical coming up. And I was waiting, and I was waiting, and I was waiting, and I was waiting. And I was texting my wife, this is crazy. This is crazy. How can you be so slow? Like, there's no one waiting. They haven't called anybody. 
And it was about half an hour. They, they call, after half an hour, they call a guy to go back who came in 20 minutes after me. I go, okay, okay. I'm talking about mercy this week, okay, okay. And, 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 but I did go up and say, hey, you know, it's very calmly. I said, hey, I was just wondering, is my name in the system? She goes, yeah. They should have called you before that guy. And then she runs back there, right? And I think, oh, this is going to be great. You know, and, and then the lady comes out and says, oh, I called your name. She said, David. I was listening intently for 45 minutes here, Steve. I know if you said Steve. I'd have been pouncing on it. She, and then she stuck me bad. <laughs> Not sure if it was intentional, you know, but, you know, I, I felt better not going nuts. I felt better calming myself. And I said, are you kidding me? You know, I was, I had unrealistic expectations to think that I would get seen as quickly as I wanted to be seen, right? Show mercy to those who disappoint you. Here's a good one. Show mercy when you hear gossip about someone. Satan's the father of lies. And he's always manufacturing rumors to make people think less of other people. And some Christians are intent on helping him out. Thomas Watson points out, some of you need to hear this, maybe me too, <laughs> that it is as bad to believe a lie as it is to tell one. And that it's as bad to repeat a lie as it is to invent one. I found that pretty convicting. <laughs> See, we live in a culture where verdicts are often rendered before evidence has properly been heard. And we need to guard ourselves against this spirit that's so quick to believe the worst and so slow to believe the best in people. And listen, when this habit takes root in us, it's easier for us to slide and make more of people's failings than we do of their strengths. What I'm trying to say is a merciful person will close his ears or eyes anything that would diminish their view of someone else unless compelled to do otherwise. Watson also said this. This is good. A man's name is worth more than his goods, and he that takes away the good name of another sins more than if he had taken the corn out of his field or the goods out of his shop. Better take away a man's life than his name. It's an irreparable energy, injury. Show mercy when you hear gossip. Don't participate in it. Show mercy. Believe the best. Show mercy to those who hurt you. Joseph's brothers hurt him, and God allowed him to get to a place of power, a place where he had a choice to make. I think God planned it that way. I'm going to give you a choice of power, Joseph, and your brothers are here, and you can either get your revenge or you can choose to forgive. And he chose to forgive. Many times God will put you in a position where you can get even with the person who hurt you, and you will have a choice. Are you a merciful person? Will you act in mercy? I like the story about President Lincoln I wasn't there, so maybe it's not true, but it's a good story. And he's giving a speech in the back of the White House after the Civil War, and he's laying out his plan for reconstruction, and he's, at the end of his speech, an Iowa senator named James Harlan shouted out, and what should we do with the rebels? What should we do with the ones who started this war? And the unmerciful crowd cried out, hang them, hang them. And Lincoln had his 11-year-old son, Tad, was standing behind him, and he said, no, Papa, no. Not hang them. Hang on to them. And Lincoln said, that's it. Tad's got it. We're not going to hang them. We're going to hang on to them. 
That's mercy. That's being like Jesus when we hang on to them. And last but not least, show mercy to those who need to hear the gospel. See, merciful people talk to Jesus often about the lost and talk to the lost often about Jesus. Jude exhorts us in Jude 23, save others by snatching them out of fire to others show mercy and fear. Augustine said, if I weep for the body from which the soul is departed, how should I not weep for the soul from which God is departed? So see, the merciful person cares deeply about people who are without Christ and will act by sharing the good news with them. They, like the good Samaritan, will, they'll come near and, 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 and they'll, they'll take a risk and they'll use what they have and what they know to help people come to Jesus Christ. It's April 24th, 2022. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Understand, during the next seven days, you will have many opportunities to show and demonstrate mercy to those who have a material need, to those who mess up and need a second chance, to those who are struggling in their faith, to those who are on the outside, outcast, and need a friend, those who fail you and disappoint you, those who are being gossiped about, those who hurt you, those who need to hear the gospel. Blessed are the merciful. Mercy triumphs over justice. I desire mercy, not sacrifice. Mercy is a compassionate heart that cares and acts for the benefit and good of others. What if Jesus was serious? What if we take Jesus serious? And I had this image. What if we became mercy piranhas? <laughs> Someone's hurting these mercy, and we like a bunch of piranhas. We just devoured them with mercy. Mercy piranhas, baby. <laughs> Come on. You're, you're liking it. You're liking it. I'm feeling it. Now that you know these things, Jesus said once, you'll be blessed if we do them. Can you imagine? You can't make the whole world great, but if you and I begin to show mercy, and man, I struggle with mercy. I really have thought and said out loud, because someone's disappointed me, you are dead to me. Don't want nothing to do with you. That's not really good. I can't baptize that any way to make it godly, right? And, and I'm with you, man. I struggle with this. But I do know that Jesus, if I t- Jesus is serious, and if I take him serious, you and I can help make this world a better place, amen? And we come to church where people can come in here and find what they need, find mercy, and find what we're about to sing a song. They're going to find a friend in Jesus. Would you stand and pray with me? Father God, we love you. We thank you for the opportunity, Lord, to come into your presence. We thank you for the mercy that you have so poured out on us. Holy Spirit, I pray that you would move in us and among us. Speak to us. Reshape us. Help your mercy to become a mighty river in us flowing out to the world who desperately needs people to be merciful. Help us not to buy into the our culture of judgment and harshness and 
cancel. And God, thank you for being our friend. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.